0: I would say to you that God's special moment is not when the worship team starts singing and not when the preacher starts preaching, but it's when everything that has been done has been done with a specific intent that God wants to have a meeting with you in the service. And whenever that is, if it's in the altar during the singing or if it's in the altar at the end of a service, That is God's excitement that you are responding to him. And that's what God loves. And I pray that you will understand, as we have taught this year already, how important the altar is. I don't know all of your backgrounds. I don't know where you come from. But I'm going to tell you something. There is something special about Pentecost. And there's something living about Pentecost. And I believe that we need to really celebrate what God the Holy Ghost has brought into the world and brought into the church. Over the years, the decades, the millenniums, it has been not uncommon to see denominations hijack very important things that God wanted to be fresh and full of life in his church. And one of those things was the altar. The altar has been here since the book of Genesis when men and women would meet with God. As I've taught you before, the altar is not the place necessarily. It can serve as that. But the primary purpose of the altar is not for backsliders to get right with God. And it's not for sinners to come to the front of the church to be saved. The altar primarily is the place where men and women of God would meet with the Lord. And they would worship God in that altar. And oftentimes you might hear us say, just make an altar where you are. And that's if you're doing that, that's totally appropriate. But if you would be honest and look at the average church and the average church service, even when it comes to the end of the service, and let's say all of the music and the praying and the preaching has been done with an emphasis to somehow bring you into the presence of God. So that God might be able to speak to you and minister to you. That moment is the most important. And yet in that moment, if you would be honest and even look around. And in most churches, you would find very little people are responding. Very little people are doing anything. There might be a handful of people that actually go down to the altar to worship God and to pray. When it should be the most visited. Somebody says, well, I go to the altar all the time. You should. It should be our habit to go there rather than sit there where we are. And if you would just look around in an average church, there's the people that don't go to the altar. Watch them. And it's not all, but a lot of people that don't go down there are just simply looking around and observing. And so they don't make the altar where they are. What God wants to sow into their heart and into their spirit is oftentimes lost by the time they get to their car. After they fellowship with some Christians and became easily distracted by events that are going to happen that day. For example, maybe it's a football game and you think, you know, Joe Burrow's going to pull it out this time. And now all your mind's focused on that. And it was like, I don't even remember what the Holy Spirit said to me in church And so we come to the altar because the seed can be planted in our heart. And so it's important to come to the altar. But tonight I want to focus upon, and I'm I'm grateful to bring this to a Wednesday night crowd. Because really you're the workers, you're the soldiers. You're the ones that are going to take these things seriously and you're going to labor them. And how many of you want to see a move of God in our city That will make a profound impact. And let me tell you something, guys. Baton Rouge is a dangerous city. It is one of the top murder capitals, human trafficking, drug trafficking cities in the United States of America. And we've got churches everywhere. All right. So going to church certainly isn't the answer. And just being able to preach truth just isn't the answer. There needs to be an overflowing and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where the demonstration of God is occurring and it brings such a fundamental change in the life of the church that when people leave, the community changes because changed people are going out there. And it takes something more than just somebody going to an altar. There must be those who work The altar. Those who work the altar. And I am appealing to you tonight. To sign up. Not on a piece of paper in the foyer. Not through an electronic registration system at the church website. But as a volunteer to the Holy Ghost. I want to be one of your workers. I want to commit to this. And if people drop out, I want to go through it to the very end or until Jesus comes back. I want to join with you, Holy Ghost, in those altars. And I want you to be able to move through my life to bring people into freedom or to other places that you have for them to go while they're seeking you in that altar. And that's another beautiful thing about people who come to the altars. Because it's identified there that somebody's really meaning business with God. And there's an attention that is drawn to them. And it's not bad. It might be a little bit uncomfortable because you think people are all watching you. And they're really not. But they might notice that you're down there. And it draws attention to other people who are full of the Holy Ghost that begin to intercede for you. And that is one of the greatest blessings I believe that we can have in the body of Christ Is to have people who are full of the Holy Spirit interceding for me. And so I want to encourage you tonight to work the altar. I understand that all of you in this room may not do that. I would to God that all of you in this room would. I would to God that you would have freedom in the spirit. You would not be confined by the restrictions of your flesh. To really begin to seek the Lord. And that we might truly have a Pentecostal experience in Baton Rouge. And it has to begin somewhere. And I pray that it will be here. And so I want you to read this with me in Ephesians 6. Verse 10. And we're told this. Finally my brethren. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Now he's telling us to be that. Because. That's the gifts that are given to you. You are given the gift of power through the Holy Spirit. You are given strength by the grace of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. All of his various tactics. God has given you armor. That is able to cause every strategy and tactic of the enemy to be unsuccessful. And I pray that we get this. Please get this. And he says in verse 12, far we wrestle. He doesn't say that in past tense. He says that in present tense. Far we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so there's a wrestling that is going on. We wrestle. We're talking about the church. We wrestle. I don't know if you do, but if you're the church of Jesus Christ, you should be. Because if there's power anywhere in the world, it has to be in those believers who are spirit-filled. And if the strength of God is to be seen anywhere in the world, it should be in those who are spirit-filled. And so therefore, those who are spirit-filled, you need to be wrestling. You need to be contending against something. And then he gives us a list of what those things are. And their spiritual wickedness. And there are rulers and there are principalities. And it speaks of authorities that are carnal and natural in the earth. But it also speaks of authorities and principalities that are spiritual in their domain. Which oftentimes finds their effectiveness through carnal rulers. It could be a government. It could be a governor. It could be a mayor. It could be a city council. It could be a school board team. And we are to wrestle against that with strength and power. With the armor of God because we can overcome it. You don't sing it away. And you don't make a positive confession and it goes away. When I understand the context of wrestling, it means that I must engage myself with the enemy. And I must, in Jesus' name, defeat him. And I'm given strength and power to be able to do that. And we have the privilege of exercising that, all right? So I want you to see it. One of the translations says this. It says, we used to live in the ways of this world. Or I'm sorry, let me, let me come back to this. And in, in chapter 6, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. So we wrestle. Now listen to me. I don't believe there's a person that has entered this sanctuary tonight that has not in some way had to deal with Satan and his kingdom this week. Everybody that has entered into this sanctuary has had to contend with him, like it or not. He is an adversary. The Bible also refers to him as a lion, if you will, and ferocious. And there's no backup in him. There's no give up in him. He has to be made to leave. And so you've had to deal with him, whether you know it or not, you've had to deal with him. And when we come into the church and into the sanctuary of God, it ought to be such an atmosphere and such an environment where the body of Christ has come together that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a real Pentecostal meeting of believers, those devils and that attack and those strategies that have been set against us become null and void in the presence of God, through the warfare of God's people. But oftentimes we don't fight like that, and oftentimes we don't go to church with that mentality. We go to church hoping and wishing that maybe my life's going to be touched, and maybe I'll be given an hour of relief, and then I'll get back in my car, and I'll go back to my home, and I'll go back to the job tomorrow where there's all kinds of trouble I've got to deal with. Why not overcome that trouble in an altar tonight? Why not receive victory from Jesus Christ so when you go back to work or you're home tonight, something has changed. Something has been pulled down. Something has been defeated in Jesus' name. And you need help doing it. That's why God gives you a body. That's why he gives you a church. That's why he calls us to intercede and come alongside of one another to fight hell against another. Why do you think the Bible says one shall chase a thousand and two shall put 10,000 to flight? So get, amen. So I'd say to you, get over your pride and get over your arrogance and get over your shyness and express the conflicts that you are in with some Christians that are around you. Because for God's sake, if one can chase a thousand and two can chase 10,000, imagine how many three and four could chase away from your life. You begin to battle and war and believe God. And that's working the altar. And I'm calling upon you to be soldiers. I am. I'm calling upon you not to be fickle. I don't want to have to stand up in this pulpit every service and give you a reminder of this and say, Would y'all please help fight for one another? I pray you will do this on your own. Because the Holy Ghost is in you. Sometimes you're going to need that intercession. And even when you need that intercession, it still doesn't mean you can't intercede for somebody else. And so we fight these battles and these principalities. We wrestle not with one another, but we wrestle against these principalities. It is a fight. It is a close fight. Wrestling denotes hand-to-hand combat. It is in your direct vicinity. And you are dealing with this. There's not a person in this room born again filled with the Holy Spirit that's not experienced some form of temptation in your life this week, today. There's not a person in this room who's not been enticed to do something ungodly. Those are strategies of Satan against your life, and you are in a fight, and it's good to have people fight with you. It is a blessing. Now, what this might signify, referring to Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll look there, what this might signify, these battles that we're in, would give us a little bit more clarity as to the struggle. For he says in verse 2, In time past, you walked according to the course of this world, or the way of the world. It's not too hard to see the way of the world today, And according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And that word disobedience means unbelief. Now listen. That's how we used to live. And we don't live there anymore. We as Christians have been given armor that we can put on that is able to overwhelm and overcome all of the attacks and the strategy of the enemy. We have been delivered from this power. We have been set free from this power. And we are no longer under its domain or under its authority. We have been translated into the kingdom of God's Son, Jesus Christ... And we are the children of light and the children of life. But that does not mean that these powers do not array themselves against you on any given day with a desire or an effort to take you down. And there's a difference between Ephesians chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 6. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, you didn't wrestle against these things. These things ruled your life and they overpowered your life. And Jesus Christ has now come and rescued your life and given you power in the Holy Spirit. So you have moved into Ephesians chapter 6 where now you can actually fight back against these powers. And these powers fear the God that has given you authority and who lives in you. And we can be extremely successful. And I pray that you will understand that. And so I come back to chapter 6 and I just say this to you. We wrestle. Come on now. We wrestle. And my question is this when I was reading this passage. Is there anyone who still wrestles today? I mean, really, is there anyone who still wrestles today in Holy Ghost power? Because Holy Ghost power is effective, Holy Ghost power destroys the enemy. When I think about what the young people in this culture are inundated with, and how practically young couples today are really at a loss, how do I even begin to engage my young children and protect them from what is going on in the world today? There seems to be a loss in that when parents really need to be wrestling, not with their children, But with the cosmic powers and principalities that have strategies to destroy their life. And mom and dad, you have been granted power by God to successfully wrestle against that darkness and stop it. And if parents won't do it, they're in a church that'll do it. And we must do it. We must work the altar. And this is what my heart is tonight for us. It is important that we come to the altar. It is important that we pray in the altar. It is important that we worship in the altar. It is important that we have a place where we're worshiping God and praying and seeking the Lord. And people can identify us and they can come around us and they can pray for, I don't know how many times standing in the altar, I'll have somebody lay their hands on me. I don't even know who they are most of the time praying over me and praying for the service that day. And I receive strength from that. And I know God is doing things in that. And I appreciate so much the prayers of God's people. So we're to fight principalities and powers. When people come down into this altar, they're coming down here to talk to God. They're coming down here to do business with God. They're coming down here to worship the Lord. They're coming down here to surrender to a call. They're coming down here to believe for a deliverance, for a victory over an addiction, for forgiveness, for restoration in their life with God. And I promise you every devil in hell will do everything they can possibly do to stop them from getting there. And Pentecostal people need to intervene and stop the devil. We need to work the altar. We do not have the right to be passive. We do not have the right to sit back. We do not have the right to be spectators. We're fighting for the ones that we love. We don't have to be intrusive. Somebody can come into the altar. I don't have to invade them. I don't have to be intrusive to them. I don't need to get right up in their face and begin to pray and talk and all of this right in their face. I don't have to do that. I don't have to grab them by the shoulders and tell me, what are you down here for? What are your problems? What's your sin? What do you surrender? I don't have to do that. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I can take authority over everything that would rise up against them and the knowledge of Christ in their life. And I don't even have to touch them. I can just stand behind them and plead the blood of Jesus over them. And overwhelm those powers that would try to keep them from the anointing that God wants to give them in their life. And don't you want to see everybody anointed? And if the kids don't want to come in the altar with the culture they're fighting at it, go to them. There's no rope there that says no old people pass this line. And if your parents aren't walking with God, you go over there to them. And pray over them in the name of Jesus. Don't wait for somebody to motivate you. Be the soldiers of Christ as a young child. Make a decision who are you going to follow. You're going to follow God. You're going to follow other youth. You're going to get excited about Jesus or want to be accepted among your peers. Well, I say forget the peers and follow God. He's the only friend that will never leave you or forsake you. He's the only one. This is not a time to play around. This is a time for soldiers and the end of the world is here. It's time to mean business with God. And so I just encourage you to do it. And when people come to the altars, I just ask you this. Work the altar. Help the people for God's sake. Stand with them. Stand behind them. Protect them. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. People coming to the altars can be very vulnerable. They're letting their guards down to God. And God is meeting with them. And you can come behind them. And you can be a fence around their life. And you can be a protection to their life. Philemon chapter 1. I've referred to this a lot. You're going to hear this scripture maybe over the next couple of weeks a lot. <clears throat> but in Philemon 1, and I want you to read this. It's extremely important. Paul says in verse 5 regarding Philemon. Hearing of your love. And this is right before the book of Hebrews. Hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. That the communication or the giving or the fellowship or the exchange of your faith may become effectual. How many of you have prayed, God, I want to have mighty faith. Come on. Three, four people. Come on. How many of you acknowledge it, confess it. You have not because you ask not. Let's say it again. How many of you have prayed? God, I want to have great faith. Come on. Praise God. Don't you want that? And so he says that the communication of your faith may become effectual or effective or powerful. How is it going to become powerful? By communicating it. By giving. Stop talking. About what you say God can do, and begin to get up and believe Him to do it. Because when you communicate that faith, it becomes effective because you're doing something in faith that God can do. So that the communication may be effectual. How? By the acknowledging. The confession, the recognition of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What good things are in Jesus Christ? Everything. And is there any limit to Him? Any limit of wisdom? Any limit of healing, any limit of authority, any limit of power, any limit of mercy, any limit of grace, any limit of love. No. And so Paul's not saying to Philemon, begin to acknowledge how good you are or what a good Christian you are. No, it's got nothing to do with you. But it's acknowledging if Jesus Christ does indeed live in you, then acknowledge the good things of Christ that are in you. And if Jesus is in me and there's no limit of his goodness in me, then all power and all authority and all ability now through Christ resides in me. There's nothing that's too hard for us. There's nothing that's impossible to us through him who strengthens us. But you will never know that if you don't acknowledge that. And it's not uncommon for people to say, "Well, the preachers got that, the apostles got that, the missionaries got that, the Sunday school teachers got." But man, I, I'm just me. This is this. Is, well, it's not about you. It doesn't say acknowledge you. It says acknowledge who is in you. And if you acknowledge who is in you, you don't have to be a Smith Wigglesworth. You don't have to be a George Whitfield. You don't have to be a B.H. Clendenin or, or a David Wilkerson or a Leonard Ravenhill. My God, Jesus is in you. And when you acknowledge that and you begin to communicate that faith, it is going to become very effective. And you're going to have an incredibly exciting Christian life. And it won't be boring and dull. By sitting around saying and believing God can do anything. But you never see God do anything. Because you never communicate the faith that God has given you. You begin to communicate it. You will begin to see it. And so he says, we have great Joy and consolation in your love. Because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. So Philemon did it. Philemon's exercising of faith resulted in great joy and comfort through his love to the Apostle Paul. And to other saints as well. Gave him great joy in that. And so I just want to conclude with just a few things tonight. And I want, to, I want to say to you that altar workers demonstrate, I would say, three things. They demonstrate, first of all, faith. If you don't have faith, you're not going to be working in an altar. You're going to be scared to approach it you're going to be scared that you don't have the means to provide an answer to people that might be dealing with some real issues in their life. And when you have, listen to me, when you have no faith to get into an altar and work, to work for other believers, to fight for them, to believe for them, If you can't exercise your faith in the house of God among the children of God, you will never demonstrate your faith at school or at work or in the marketplace. And when we begin to exercise our faith in the house of God, in the altars, where people are going to respond to God, and we can get into that altar and we can work that partnership with the Holy Ghost to be able to fight back hell... And wrestle against principalities and powers. And to cast down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that every thought can be brought captive to him. And our brothers and sisters can go on into their anointing. Go on into their calling. Go on and hear God. Because they need to hear God. They don't need to be fighting the devil. I'll fight the devil for you. You talk to God. You have the faith to believe that. And if you have the faith to believe that, if you have the faith to believe that Jesus actually lives in me and he is capable of answering everything and doing anything that I am faced with, then I'm not afraid to go into any altar and meet with any body because Christ can meet it. And I believe that. And I I don't have to make an excuse as to anything that happens. I'm just going in faith to exercise what I believe God wants me to do. The second thing that you'll find in altar workers is love. Faith and love. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus would see people in need and he could not sit back and watch. He couldn't. Jesus was moved by his love to begin to involve himself in another person's pain and in another person's heartache because the Spirit of the Lord had anointed him to heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty the bruised. And so he couldn't sit back and watch the pain and the suffering of other people. He would enter into it and he would love them. And I believe it is very, very difficult for people who love God and love one another to sit there and watch a person responding to God and do nothing. Love is going to compel you. I must help them. And it's going to move you to action. And the third thing you'll find in an altar worker is the confidence to do warfare. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil are many. Depression, despair, worry, unbelief, addiction, abuse, molestation, lies, And the list goes on and on and on as far as you could take it. And Jesus Christ came into the world to destroy those works of the devil. And the anointed one, Jesus Christ, lives in you. And you know that for those dear, beloved people in that altar that are responding to God Maybe they're going to be raised up as one of the great revivalists of our hour. Maybe they're going to be moved out of an addiction in their life and they're going to step into freedom. Maybe worry is going to be broken over their life. Maybe loneliness is going to end for them today. And I am going to step into their life. And I am going to do warfare. And I am going to pray and believe that the, that the strategies and the work of the devil is destroyed in their life today. And I'm going to take authority and I'm going to bind the enemy for whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever I loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I'm going to go and I'm going to fight for my brothers and sisters. I'm going to go stand around them. I might stand behind them. I don't have to invade them. I don't have to enter into a space. They need some privacy. I'm just going to go and I'm going to stand by. I'm just going to praise God. You are the Lamb of God who has overcome. I thank you, Jesus, that by your blood our sins are forgiven. I thank you that you've restored all things. God, if you were looking for perfect people, how could anybody in the world ever serve you? You only had one perfect son. And I thank you for the anointing. And I'm just going to stand behind. And begin to praise God, and God's gonna move upon their life, and they're gonna have a visitation of God. I just believe that. Maybe God will give me a word to speak to them. Maybe I'll have a word of knowledge. Maybe the gift of the Spirit will begin to work through my life. Maybe I'll have a discernment of somebody that's attacking them, and I'll begin to take authority over that person or that situation in their life. Maybe I'll begin to pray for them, and I'll understand their boss is attacking them, and I'll begin to pray, oh, God, change their boss's heart. And let them begin to have favor. And all of a sudden they light up. And they say, how did you know? That's happened to me. When I've been praying for people in an altar. You're just praying over something. And all of a sudden you're praying in the Holy Ghost. And you're praying about something specifically in their life. That they're going through. And the victory's there. It's so exciting. It's just so exciting. I'd rather be working an altar than sitting in a pew. It's two minute warning guys. God put me in the game. Because that's what it's down to. And, I, and, and so people who work the altar are people who have faith that Jesus is going to do it. They have love because I, I'm going to help you in every possible way that I can. And I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight the devil so you can have peace in that altar. And hear and talk to God. And I'm going to believe for God. And I'm going to stand around you. And I'm going to praise Him. And I'm going to worship the Lord. And God will give you discernment. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, You know what? I just need you to stop talking right now. Because I have something to say to Him. And you're distracting Him. Yes, Lord. And you're just quiet. The Lord shows you. You're not doing this alone. You're not doing this for God. You're doing it with God. And He does it. And so I just... Pray that you understand it because a Pentecostal ministry, you know, I, I would say this, I I've, I think a lot of denominational preachers, a lot of non-Pentecostal denominational preachers, they, they come and they get a message and it's very clever, it's very good, it's very clever, they hope you get a hold of it, they hope that you will listen to it, they hope you'll understand it and you'll go do something with it to change your life. But that's not Pentecostal preachers. When Pentecostal preachers preach, we preach and we hope and we pray and we believe that God the Holy Ghost is going to get a hold of you. And he's going to do something with you. Because you dare to enter into his house. And he's going to send his word out and he's going to get a hold of you. And you'll never be the same again. You'll be more mad than when you came in or you'll be more glad. But you will not stay the same. And Pentecostal people. Come on. You go to most Pentecostal churches today. And you'd say I'd rather be in a Baptist church. This thing is so dead. And you know why they're dead? Because the people are dead. And I don't want a dead church. I want us to be a living church. I want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to be in love with God. I want the fire of the Holy Ghost to be all over your life. I want you to believe God and walk with God because that is an important aspect of a Pentecostal ministry. It's not just that the preacher preaches that way and believes the Holy Ghost to get you, but there are spirit-filled believers all over the room that are going to pray in the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues and do war against the devil and miracles are going to happen and people are going to be set free and they're going to go back into the community and say, I don't know where I was, but I've never been in a place like that in my life and God was there and God set me free and people at work say, I got to go with you next week. I got to go there. I've got to be there with God. I need God to touch my life. And it's the people. The queen of Sheba went to see Solomon. You know what took her breath away? His people. His people. The way your servants approached the temple, it took my breath away. You are so valuable. And I I beseech you, put your warfare clothes on. Put on the whole armor of God and begin to work the altar. You don't have to invade a person's life or privacy. But you can aggressively fight the devil from what he's trying to do with their life. I want you to stand with me, please. I didn't preach two hours. It's not even 8.30. But I want to ask you, would you please join me in this altar tonight? And would you pray that the Holy Ghost would get a hold of you? I want you to lift up your voice. I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that, God, I am in partnership with you. That Jesus Christ lives in me. And I'm excited. Come on, you pray this. I'm excited about being your servant. I'm excited about what Jesus can do through my life. I'm excited about the people that are going to be set free. I'm excited about the ministries that are going to be birthed. I'm excited about the ministers that you're going to call. God, I'm, I want to serve you, God. I, count me in. Count me in to work the altar, God. Count me in to fight for you, to fight for people. Count me in, God. I want to love. I want to believe, God. Give me great faith, God, in the name of Jesus. Give me great faith. Come on, pray. Pray. Give yourself to God. Give yourself to God. Give our church to God. Give our church to God. Oh, let the Lord have it. It's time, beloved, to tear down strongholds. It's time to stand against principalities and powers. It's time for parents and grandparents to tell the devil, you're not having my kids. Social media is not having my kids. Facebook, Twitter, they're not having my kids.